Welcome to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenboss. We are grateful to WVU, who offers renowned online master's degree programs in marketing communications. And this series is presented by the Reed College of Media as part of their ongoing marketing series. Thank you for joining us today. Ruth, I'm so pleased that we will be able to chat today with Susan K. Jones on our episode. You and I have known Susan for some time, and she is both a professional and academic colleague of ours. All right. Did you know that Susan is author and co-author or editor of more than 30 books? No, that's amazing. Wow. Um, academically, she's a full tenured professor of marketing at Ferris State University in uh, Big Rapids, Michigan. And she's also a practitioner whose background includes work in banking, insurance, B2B, and collectibles. Um, you know, Susan has raised a really provocative question with us um, that I can't wait for us to discuss with her. She asks her students and marketing professionals, is there room in the future for the intuitive marketer? Should we invite wow. her in? That's a great question. Let's get her in here. Hi, Susan. Hi. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Ruth. How are you? Thanks You're for great. joining us. Sure. And this is such a great question. But what what do we mean by intuitive marketer in the first place, Susan? Okay. Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever taken the Myers-Briggs test with the four yep. facets of the personality? Okay. Oh, yeah. ENFJ. So you know, it's got introversion versus extroversion, judging versus perceiving, thinking versus feeling, and then the last one, intuitive versus sensing. Ah, so only 26% of people, according to Myers-Briggs, test as intuitive versus ah. sensing. And the sensing people are the ones that kind of live in the now. They like facts, what's on the surface. They're going to dig into that. While the intuitive person uh, just naturally is trying to find deeper meaning in things. So as um, consumer, when we work with consumers, we're wanting to influence consumers better um, and I know we're going to talk today about how the newer tools are going to work with this, but I loved an article I read in Forbes magazine that talked what we're going to be moving toward informed intuition. Mm, oh, I like that. What is, yeah, yeah. What does that mean? Well, so back in the day when I was a copywriter, I was lucky enough that most of my bosses would allow me to infiltrate the target market. So I would go where the customers were. I, for example, with collectibles, I joined collectibles clubs. I went on tours with collectors uh, to get to know how they thought and felt beyond just what they did. So we didn't have, I mean, yeah, I'm old. <laughs> we didn't have all this deep data at our disposal. So we had to get in there and learn about people. But now we have such a rich mine of data that we can learn a lot about our customers. But my contention is that with the data, we still need to look at that and say, well, what am I going to do with it? And how can I test my hypotheses to see what's really going to work with, with our consumers? I'm so impressed that you did that kind of research when you were a entry, a, a, an early professional uh -huh. as a copywriter. And your point that data is a 
new tool for uh, available to marketers today is so right on. But I also love you're making the point that we need to both be creative. We, we need to understand the nature of our audience partly by int- intuition, isn't it? Right. My favorite book that I wrote is um, Direct and Digital Marketing. Um, sure. and it, the subtitle uh, talks about the art and science of creative digital, of direct and digital marketing. So as a direct marketer died in the wool, we've always yeah. looked at whatever data we could get our hands on to use. Um, back in the day, it was just things like who bought what, but uh, certainly that was helpful. We could overlay some demographics onto that, but it was more of a groups of people, big groups of people, as opposed to what we can do to not do today with uh, one-on-one marketing. Yeah. You know, I, I just want to challenge this a little bit. You know, we're all direct marketers, the three uh-huh. of us. And so as direct marketers died in the wool, and that's our heritage, we've always measured, we've always used data. We've always said that one of the foundational aspects of what we do in our discipline is measurement and um, and results. But there are a lot of people in marketing and other parts of marketing discipline where when they say intuition, gut feel intuition rules, and that their interest in using data or their comfort level with data is very um, uh, not as obvious. And so- right. You know, with the rise of accountability in all things that we do today, um, are those people in jeopardy, the the truly intuitives, (laughs) are are they in trouble? I think this has been happening for some time, Cindy. Um, The rise of the uh, chief financial officer sticking his or her nose into marketing and Mm. saying, prove the value of every cent you spend, that's at least Mm -hmm. two decades old. So anyone who, you know, but I will say in general advertising, the awards have always been based on creativity, something crazy wild that they did. Not a whole lot on accountability because of course, back in the day, general advertising was not very accountable, but the awards in direct marketing have always been based on results. Mm -hmm. So uh, maybe somebody that comes out of, um, General advertising would say, I'll just go with my gut. But anyone who's been called to accountability by um, their boss <laughs> um, or their budget would know that to just say, I'm going to go off on my own tangent is not a good idea. And I remember very vividly um, talking back back when I was uh, much younger to higher level advertising professionals, and they would themselves admit that they weren't very close to the customer anymore. They had fancy cars and they had people to shop in the grocery store for them. And, you know, their kids went to private school. So they really were not close to the customer. But with data, we can get close to the customer now and um, find out what they're thinking, feeling, doing. And then on another tack, mm-hmm. um, we're, we're all being kind of mesmerized by some of these AI-driven tools right. that have become available and we're getting uh, our stars in our eyes about how AI, which is 
based on modeling past behavioral data, right, to mm -hmm. infer the uh, behavior of the future, that some of these tools are being asked to do the jobs of copywriters and other what used to be intuitive marketing functions. What do you think, Susan, about all of this AI stuff? It, 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 is it realistic that it can actually mimic what an intuitive marketer ought to be doing? Well, in, because I was going to talk with you, I did do some research and I found a tool called uh, jasper.com um, I also looked at the testimonials for jasper.com and they were mostly copywriters and they said, this is a great starting point. It's huh. not the copy. I'm going to go in and I'm going to touch up the copy. Yeah. And so it saves yeah. them some work on the front end, maybe. Right. So Jasper has already read 10% of the internet. And you know, if you're writing a blog, you're writing an e-book, you have to do a lot of at least most of us do a lot of research so that you're uh, really providing good information. But I'm sure Jasper has many competitors, but just to talk about this one, you say, I want to talk about um, parasailing in um, my, uh, Miami Beach. And Jasper will say, well, here's, here's a paragraph. Am I on the right track? And then, yes, you say yes, then you get more and more and more. So I don't think anybody's going to just take what Jasper wrote, although some might. Um, if, you're in, if you're a very, very busy writer and you're in charge of long blogs and all kinds of content, I think this could be a fabulous start. But even Jasper says Jasper doesn't expect us to take copy uh, and just run with it. Right. I so see. these tools, um, these automated tools mm -hmm. can make the work much easier for yes. us saying does do the research in advance. Yes. Um, and then allow us to get a head start on actually writing and, and personalizing and customizing it from there. Yes. Um, is there any concern? I mean, uh, Susan, you don't have to address this, but I'm just kind of wondering, wow, do we have copyright issues here? Do we have... Um, mm -hmm. is, is there anything we have to consider with copy? Right. That, right. Because now you're repurposing it. Well, according to Jasper, it's all original stuff. So not plagiarizing. He's writing a paper based on what he's read, but he is a robot. So <laughs> I don't know if I would say that a hundred percent. I might, use, you know, at, uh, in school, we have our plagiarism tools. I might. Yes, we do. <laughs> put Jasper out. I might <laughs> test him with plagiarism tools. There you oh, go. Turn it in. Yeah. What happens when yeah. you use turn it in? Yeah. Wow. And I also really liked what you said about Myers-Briggs and how the only 26% of Myers-Briggs responders are on the intuitive side. Mm -hmm. As direct marketers, I think we agree that we've all felt that what we do is a combination of art and science. So yes. the subtitle of your book is just yes. perfect here. And so that implies that humans, meaning the intuitive side, that's difficult to replicate by a machine, yes. will always have a role to play. It, it, 
Would well, you agree? At least as far out as I can see. Um, as we were, as I was preparing for this and thinking about it, I thought, can AI create a big idea? Like, just do it. Like, I'm loving it. Like, um, the ultimate driving machine. And membership has its privileges. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. So far, no. <laughs> so far, I don't think that's the case. Um, you still need humans to set the tone. Even with Jasper, you have to say, hey, Jasper. You don't just say, hey, Jasper, write something. You say, hey, Jasper, I need to write about this. So when you think, um, have, have you ladies watched um, Mad Men? Are you famous? Oh, sure. Yeah. So we look at Don Draper trying to figure out the carousel. That yep. whole episode, okay. And he's um, having angst and he's staying all night and he's um, upset because his wife's leaving him and all of that plays into it. Um, that's still a very human thing. And I know there's a big difference between writing, ad, writing catalog copy, which I think Jasper or something like that could do versus coming up with, and I've done both these things. I used to work with Herb Krug. I don't know if you know him, but catalog guru out of Chicago. And we would create concepts for catalogs. And that was very angst ridden. You know, <laughs> what the heck are we going to do with these products? Um, so we came up with a toy catalog called Just Imagine. Mm. And we came up with a delicatessen in the mail for Hormel to try to unite all their unique products. And Man. that was called Austin Street Market because that's where Hormel is up in Minnesota. That's a, that's a big sweat and blood, sweat and tears thing that I don't think um, AI can do yet. And the, one of the great things about catalog copy is that it's the, the results come in instantly. Right. right, <laughs> and, right. So that's and, one of the things I was thinking about. I would love the opportunity to test my copy against AI copy for mm. a package. Wow. Do you know, um, that would be easy to do, I would think, in mm -hmm. email. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, think about email, how sure. we could do that or e-commerce where sure, you could do, sure. you know, we all love A-B testing. Right. We think about how you could do A-B testing both on outbound emails and landing pages yes. for, for product and test your copy against AI and or a hybrid. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of liking the idea of taking your art and science to the next level and mm -hmm. saying, it. you know how we have mixed reality now. Now where we're right. combining our, our human reality with an augmented reality. And, and now the, the thought that we could do um, mixed AI creative, mm -hmm. where we take our intuition and marry it with what they tell us versus you know, they maybe do it. the model of the future will mimic the professional pairings of the past where an art director and a copywriter would mm -hmm. work as a team. So maybe a data person and a, an intuitive person would mm -hmm. work as a team. I love that. And a psychologist, you know, back in the day when we were first starting to do selling websites, they would always say, get a psychologist on your team. Hmm. Yeah. Usually to give us, get us away from that angst, right? <laughs> <laughs> You are getting sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> so, Susan, where do you think the future is? As we're looking just over the horizon at all of what uh, technology offers mm -hmm. us and 
all of what we can do, but the intuitive marketer. Going back to your question, you know, will the intuitive marketer be a dinosaur or will we mm-hmm. survive? What do you think the future holds for those of us who are intuitive marketers? Well, I do think that AI is going to get smarter, just as chatbots are already getting smarter. They will learn. And there have been some movies out, of course, where AI became um, sentient and um, sort of uh, terrible things ensued. But I don't think we're anywhere near that in the real world. As for advertising I can, or, and digital marketing, academics are doing some interesting things with this already. So I recently met Dr. Larry Carter, who has a neuromarketing lab at High Point University. And students are learning how to use insights from neuromarketing. They do it on each other. They hook each other up and observe everything from perspiration rate, pupil dilation reactions. And I think that's uh, very cool that undergrads even are learning to do that as well as graduate students. And then I also recently met... uh, Uh, Umar Usman, who is a doctoral candidate at University of Kentucky, and he's doing some, he has many projects underway, and he likes AI, and one of them that he's doing is he's going to test Alexa giving flattery to her um, listeners versus just straight information. So Alexa will say something like, Susan, that top that you bought last week is going to look great on you. (laughs) versus now personally i think that uh many people but not all would realize that alexa is blowing smoke but some (laughs) might be flattered by that and enticed to buy more so i'm going to get a dialogue with he's not dr usman yet he will be in a year uh, with him and see how that goes wow um, well go ahead Susan, so as an academic and as a professional, this looks like there's a tremendous amount of opportunity for young professionals and those looking to develop their skills in Mm -hmm. using neural marketing, Mm -hmm. neuroscience, Mm -hmm. and AI. If you have an interest and you are intuitive and you are also a science driven, there's a great future ahead for you as a marketer. Absolutely. I think this is young academics are definitely looking at this, which is very exciting to me. Love it. Thank you, Susan. This has been a great discussion. You're most welcome. Thank you so much for asking me. I look forward to uh, uh, later hearing what you your comments are at the end. And we'll have to have you back after a year or so once some of these experiments are done. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I will leave you now. Bye-bye. Take care. Thanks, Bye. Susan. Cindy, thank you for getting Susan Jones in here today. Gosh, we learned a lot. And it's it's so thrilling to have our direct marketing personal and professional histories and experiences kind of validated by what she said about how uh, the intuition marketers can bring also needs to be connected with data and solid information. I I loved how she talked 
about her own background as a copywriter and how, you know, she in the early days, she would go out and research her target audiences by hanging out with them, going on trips with them, and mm -hmm. really uh, getting to know them so that she would be a better copywriter. And now she's saying, well, we can all get this kind of information from the the new tools we have to identify the 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 types of of people who are clicking and visiting and all the other actions people are taking about our companies and our products right we have to you know as we've always said combine the art and the science uh, intuition and um, uh, informed data using data to um, help inform our intuition. I like that comment, right? That she said from the Forum Forbes article. Um, but it's also interesting that we do have a natural bias, that we often think that we are the uh, customer mm. and that we are what we call the target audience. And therefore we can make assumptions based on who we think our market is and who we think our customer is. And she shared so many interesting examples of how we can be much better informed about who our customer actually is, what they care about, their emotional commitments, their interests. And I think, Ruth, you've had some personal experience on where that has gone awry, right? Right. Yeah. I had come across this story from Bang and Olufsen, the high-end Danish audio equipment manufacturers who in their U.S. marketing operation, they had assumed that they were targeting 30 and 40 somethings, probably uh -huh. like you said, because those were the product managers in the company right. at the time. And right. some enterprising marketing manager had decided to put a, a warranty response card in the boxes and had collected a bunch of data. Um, the data, by the way, then sat in a closet somewhere for a year <laughs> or so until the next enterprising marketing person uh, found it and did some an analysis of it and learned that no, the target, their, their actual buyers were older and wealthier than they even thought. So they changed not only their messaging, but their entire distribution strategy by moving into high-end malls where they were more likely to find this target. It's such a classic story and reminds us all that as in intuitive and creative as we may be, and then of course, Susan reminded us that intuitive responders from some of these personality tests actually tend to be a minority compared yes. to the more sensing yes. side. Hmm. And, you know, that, that really rung true with me. You know, we, yeah. we've all, many of us have taken Myers-Briggs or similar tests. And um, I always come out intuitive, but I'm a data marketer. Yeah. And, you know, it always befuddles the tests because I mm -hmm. do think that um, those of us who have that right brain, left brain, or, or, or combine the skills together, um, 
have a little bit of both and and, and, right. and we should strive to encourage that in in our young professionals and Indeed. our uh, students today there's a lot of opportunity here in what she talked about with ai getting smarter with the neural marketing tools with different kinds of technology tools that can help us combine our intuitive skills with this and new that technology. ai is is going to continue to get better and i i loved her comment that her favorite book of the 30 she has written <laughs> unbelievable um has the subtitle the art and science of yes. marketing isn't that encouraging yes. and speaking of books this is uh, a, a a book week um that that we're publishing this episode in and i'm also reminded that our earlier guest nancy harhut has a new book out called cindy if you didn't see it, it the actual title is believe it or not using behavioral science in marketing the very subject that she talked about yes. on our podcast yes. and now her book is out and isn't it wonderful that uh, experienced practitioners and academics are sharing their knowledge with the rest of us through book yes. publishing. Thank you all very much. It's going to be available, I think, the end of August in the US, but is already available out in the UK. I can't wait hmm. to snag a copy of it. Fantastic. Uh, you know, we also talked a lot about the use of AI in in copywriting, which, you know, made perfect sense, right? How we could use it to do a lot of that heavy lifting background research, third-party research to inform us when we sit down to write and get over writer's block, um, which was, you know, a great application of AI um, for the intuitive marketer. And then they have to do, you know, the big idea and they have to do a lot of the, you know, the more nuanced thinking. Um, but Rosa, I think that we can apply this beyond copywriting and use these concepts in other parts of design and creative as well. Like I got thinking about how AI could be used to help lay out page design in, in landing pages. You know, now hmm. we do A-B testing and we say, put the image, the hero image here and test it against putting the hero image there. Or let's test the aspirational versus, you know, the dollars off. And we're always doing this. And intuitively, we believe certain audiences will, uh, will have different interests in those messaging platforms, but also in the graphics and the layout. Like think about how AI could like scrape the internet for the best of and give you, hey, don't, don't A-B test something that's been proven through thousands of landing pages. Wow. Great, great idea. Indeed. And Given our experience with AI-generated copy so far, it's mm. been terrible. I mean, <laughs> the chatbots are getting better, but they're still so clearly not human. And worse, the persuasive capabilities that a great copywriter will bring to bear mm -hmm. seem to be entirely missing. Um, in the copy that we've seen out of machines to date. So her saying, will, can AI ever create a big idea? She's saying so far, no, <laughs> but no. 
Who knows? But you know, even like those word clouds, which is sort of AI, I mean, it's hmm. fundamentally simple, but yeah. I like the word clouds when I'm doing ideation with Indeed. my teams, because it does give you an, an idea of where to start, right? By showing you like the words that pop larger than the smaller ones. So, I mean, it visualizes some things that can get you a little ahead of the game. Um, and so that's a very simplified way of using AI in copy or in big idea generation. Right. And isn't it thrilling? She mentioned several researchers who are looking into mm-hmm. how audiences react to certain stimuli, which has been a, a, a topic of great interest to marketers forever. But the more, more uh, sophisticated we can get, maybe the better our messaging can be. And when we asked her about about the future, she mentioned not only that, but how students are getting mm-hmm. exposed to some some of these new tools at a earlier stage in their careers, which only speaks well for the future of our our marketing profession. I agree. So, you know, to kind of wrap up our conversation here, Ruth, mm. I guess we can answer this question which was, you know, is there a future for the intuitive marketer? And I think we've come to the conclusion that the answer is a resounding yes. Indeed. And all the people who have been in uh, awareness advertising and general advertising can maybe take a a sigh of relief (laughs) while they'll need to be working with data scientists, their, their skills are still in demand. Absolutely. Well, this has been grand. A pleasure as always chatting with you today, Ruth. Me too, Cindy. Thank you. You've been listening to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenglass. Please be sure to visit go.wvu.edu slash MC today to view our upcoming conversations, listen to previous discussions, and subscribe to receive updates.